Uh, we live in a world of offense, and we are jumping into a brand new series we've called Unoffendable. It's not quite a word yet. We're working at making, making it official. Unoffendable. Just start using it, and it'll catch on. But we do live in a world of offense. In fact, I've got a, a question for you, one word one question, not a one word, one question test that we're all going to take this morning and let's see how well you do. Have you ever been offended? Yeah. All right, you passed. Good job. Everyone has been offended. Everyone has been on one side of it or another. You've either been the offender or you have been offended. Every one of us has been, will be, or currently is offended by someone. And this is just not in person where we experience this. It's in the world online as well. In fact, here's a quote from the Indigo Project, which is a counseling cohort in Australia, it says this, the internet can be a pretty grubby place. Anyone who's ever copped online flat can attest to that, myself included, when a vid I made went viral and people told me they'd wish I got hit by a bus. With the cloak of anonymity and the benefit of convenience, people can say mostly whatever they like, whenever they want, to whomever is there. This means that the most insensitive, misinformed, ignorant, and downright offensive people have a platform through which to engage and enrage us. This is exciting, right? And surely you've been there. Surely you have been on the other side and you have been offended. You've had someone say something, do something, fail to say something, or fail to do something that has offended you. It has hurt you. It has bothered you. It has angered you. It has riled you up in some way. Some of you came in hot and bothered this morning because of something someone said or did this morning or on the way in. The problem is when we get feeling like this, we have an instinctive response to make sure that they know what they did, and in some cases, that everybody else knows what they did as well. We feel so hurt, we feel so violated, we feel so angered that we need everyone to know it. Take, for example, some of the ways I've seen uh, and experienced offense. When it comes to people's views, sometimes I'm just offended by someone's views on things like politics. There's a comedian who shares a little sketch, and he says that he walks into a party if he goes to a social gathering, and just asks the question, are we going to have fun, or are we going to talk about politics? Because the two don't normally go together, or it could be about gun laws and what people's views are on gun laws. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's religion or beliefs. Maybe you just believe differently. Or maybe within your stripe of denomination or religion, you have particular views that really don't jive with everyone else's around you. They're just yours, and you can't coexist with people with different views on that than you. Or maybe it's sports. You've got people who are correct, who are you know fans of professional baseball teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers, and you have other fans of like minor league affiliate, you know, rec clubs like the Yankees, things like that. Um, <laughs> people just get offended all the time. So sometimes it's people's views, but other times it's what someone does. It's people's actions toward me. We can, we can gather offense from these kinds of things too. When they forgot my birthday, you know, I thought they loved me. I thought they cared. I thought we were family. They forgot my birthday. I'm now hurt. And, you know, it's funny, the older you get, at least for me, the less I care about my birthday, but probably the more wounded I would get because I've lived this long that someone actually forgot it. It's only happened over and over again every year at the same time. Maybe, maybe it's not that. Maybe I'm offended because someone didn't defend me. You know, here we are standing side by side and 
the person talking to us says something against me and I'm waiting for my friend or my family member or my spouse to speak up and say something. And they don't. Or online, I'm attacked and, and no one says a word. Or it could be because they just made me late. Some of us just cannot stand being late. Some of us should not stand being late. And we just are bothered by people in our home or on the road or at the drive-thru who hold us up. We're offended. Or maybe someone is just inconsiderate. They just were thinking of themselves, didn't think of me at all. Um, And so if you've experienced this, then this is for you. You might have experienced this in your marriage, in your extended family. And I get questions from time to time. Is Sunday morning service, is this type of place for young people and children too? And I want to say, yeah, it sure is for students especially because I'm here to tell you, junior high and high school are tough. They are tough. The, the context of junior high and high school is a really, really tough one when it comes to offense and being offended. It is a rough world out there, and our kids know it, and they're having to navigate it. But every one of us has felt the power of offense. We've had relationships blow up. In some cases, marriages blow up, and friendships just come to an end because we are offended. And I don't know if we're more offended now than we ever were in the history of humanity. It, it kind of seems like we are. Uh, there's more opportunities and avenues for offense. I could be offended by someone who lives around the world whom I don't even know because of technology. And if that is the case, and we are more offended than we've ever been, then that's a problem uh, because Jesus has something to say about how we handle offense. I, I don't think that when we're offended, we often, though, look for Jesus' words. I think we look for people and, and places and things to justify how we feel. Take, for example, the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States of America. Let's just hit that real quick. Here's what it says. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Freedom of speech. Yep, I get those three words are in there, yet they are in a context. We typically reach for those words, put them into our context, and use it to be able to say and do and respond however we want to when we experience an offense. We look more to the words of our Constitution than we do to the words of Jesus. And today, we're just calling that out. We're calling ourselves out because here we are at church. By the way, sometimes we're the worst at this. It's just, it's sad. It's a sad reality that we sometimes, who ought to be the best, are the worst. Church is a messy place, I'm here to tell you. Sinners tend to respond sinfully when they're sinned against And here we are, but we're coming here for help, all of us, me included. The problem is freedom of speech, saying what you want, when you want, how you want, because you've been offended, is not in line with the way of Jesus. It's certainly not in line with the words of Jesus. And that's what the series is all about, adopting the way of Jesus when there is an Offense. Jesus certainly faced offenses of all kinds. In fact, what he suffered was beyond the level of offense. In fact, it was so much greater, but we'll talk about that here soon. Here's the way of Jesus, and here's how we're going to get started. 
Um, we, we need to shift our thinking when it comes to offense. And, and here's what we need to say to ourselves. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Okay? I'm going to let that sit on you for a minute. Offenses are going to happen. We can't control that. What we can control, this is like parenting 101, right? As you're working with your, with your little ones, you cannot control or dictate what anyone else in your world does. You can only control what one person does. And that's you. You can only control your responses. And that's what we're looking at today. So eyes off of everyone else. Eyes squarely on yourself this morning. We're going to experience offenses, but so often because of our nature as sinful people, we think that if someone commits an offense against us, we should get angry. We should be offended. We have to be offended. We deserve to be offended. Just look at what they did. Did you see them driving? Did you hear what they said? Did you see their response? Did you see that glance? Did you get that look? Were you picking up that vibe? We can be offended so easily. What they did was wrong, and they need to know it. In fact, the world needs to know it too. So with my characters aloud, I will type it, post it, and put it out there. <sighs> my job is done, right? And it takes off like a really nasty trash fire. And unfortunately... This is not what we see from Jesus. This is not at all what he teaches. This is not at all what he modeled. And it's not at all what he calls his followers to be like. Jesus was not only mocked, offended. He was beaten. He was betrayed. He was abused. He was neglected. He was abandoned on a shameful cross, suffering for crimes he did not commit. But he did speak from the cross before he gave up his life. And he said this, Father, forgive them. You're there. For they don't know what they're doing. How in the world did he get there? How did he come to that word, that response, to all that happened to him? That's what we're going to look at as we pursue the way of Jesus in offense. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change our approach. We're going to change your approach to offenses, and then you'll stop being offended. So as we said, we're not looking at everybody else. We're looking just at ourselves. This is for self-examination today. Change your approach to offenses, which are going to happen, and you will stop being offended. It doesn't say avoid everyone who offends you. Just change your approach. We get a little picture of how Jesus got here and, and, and how he was thinking about this when he preached a sermon in the beginning of Matthew's gospel. Matthew records the events of Jesus' life, first book in the second part of the Bible, the New Testament. And there's the sermon that Jesus preached. And in this sermon, we get a glimpse into how Jesus is teaching us to respond to the people who will inevitably offend us. And here's what he says in chapter 6 of Matthew, verses 14 and 15. We're going to just jump off of this right into another part of this same sermon. Here's what he says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ooh. I think those of us who have been around the Bible for a while read those verses and kind of keep moving because we kind of understand where they fit in to the rest of what God's word has to say. But I think we should pause when we read verses like that because I think what he said is pretty heavy. 
He's saying that if you withhold forgiveness from people, God will withhold forgiveness from you. Let's keep in context here. We're talking about the inevitable relational conflicts that we're going to experience. I do want to take a moment to say, I want to be very sensitive to the fact that some of you have been beyond offended. You have been attacked. You have been abused. There are some conversations that we will need to have about that another time. But please understand, this message really is designed for the 90 to 95% that we face every day. Relational Conflict. You could summarize Jesus' approach from these verses like this. Drop the offense with forgiveness. Drop the offense with forgiveness. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How did Jesus get there? How, why, why was that his response? Why would he look out at all the people who violated him, mocked and abused and abandoned him, and move to forgive well, I think there are three things he knew that he also communicated to us that we had better know. And these are three reasons to change our approach to offense. If we're going to be like Jesus in this way, if we're going to be unoffendable. Earlier in this sermon in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 21, Jesus talks about this and here's what he says. If you have a Bible, by the way. You can navigate to Matthew chapter 5 or a device. You can click right there. If you're new to the Bible, as we all once were, just ask the person who invited you, ask the person next to you how to get there. They will be more than happy, I'm sure, to help you get to Matthew chapter 5, where we'll spend a bunch of time today. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Just take a time out here real quick. He says the word Raka. That's not a word typically in our vocabulary. This was a word that they brought from ancient Hebrew and Aramaic into their own language. That Basically, it's like calling someone a moron or an idiot, worthless. I mean, we... We do what they did. We come up with all kinds of new ways to say harmful things or to swear, right? We just, that's what we do. We just naturally come up with hurtful things to say, and this is one of the words that they came up with to say. So here's what Jesus is saying. Um, if someone offends you, don't murder them. Like, we kind of get that. Like, you've heard it was said, don't murder. But I'm telling you, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister is in danger of judgment. What, is, what in the world is he getting at? He's getting at the heart behind the word. We know from Jesus' teaching that we don't ever do anything or say anything that doesn't first take place in our heart. And no one who ends up murdering someone because of an offense just goes to murder. You've got to travel through the pathway of anger and hatred and bitterness to get there. And so Jesus says, I'm here to tell you, I'm not only concerned with the end result of your heart's posture. I'm concerned with your heart's posture. So if you're letting anger and resentment and hatred build up because of an offense, you are in trouble. And this is reason number one, we are called to be unoffendable because choosing to be offended affects my heart. Make no mistake. Jesus cares about what we say and do. But what we say and do comes from our heart. And he's going right there. You know our heart. 
that part that no one can really see into, the mind that no one can read. Jesus lives there. God can see that. And yes, he is talking about the terrible driver. Yes, he is talking about your spouse when he or she just goes there again and again and pushes that same button. Yes, talking about your children. Yes, talking about your boss. Yes, talking about your coworkers. Driving is an easy one for me to um, talk about because it's so easily for me um, brings up natural instincts that, I, that I'm just prone to. I'm sure I learned them, but they're also baked in there too. I've got my own issues. One of the prayers that we pray before we take off on a trip is, God, please keep all the idiots off the road. <laughs> but I follow it up with this, and please help me not to be one. I am capable of being that driver that I so don't appreciate. I just know I can do that. And so I work hard not to be the type of person who I hope I don't interact with on the road. But for me, that's an easy pathway to where I shouldn't go. You know, if you're like me, you don't always just let something go. You nurse it and you rehearse it over and over again. And as you do, the anger builds up, the bitterness builds up, the resentment builds up. This is how marital conflict happens. Kristen and I work with couples preparing for marriage pretty often. And I'm glad that we do because we always have fresh material to bring them uh, because she and I are always interacting. And I think in our 20 years of marriage, we might have argued or fought about something that's actually very serious five times or less. We so often get bent out of shape over something so unimportant and so trivial. It's not actually about the thing. It's about how she responded or how I responded to the thing. I remember being in the car, hearing my parents go back and forth thinking, this is so stupid. <laughs> Grow up. And, and then I grew up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Right? Guilty. But that's when we, we, when we nurse and rehearse things like that, they become so much bigger than they actually are. And we get ourselves into trouble. And the passage is pretty serious. He says, you're in danger of judgment. Now, thankfully, for those who are followers of Jesus, there's no condemnation for those who are following Jesus. But that's exactly the point. The people whose sins have been forgiven, the people who have been made right with Jesus, ought to be the very first and most willing people to drop the offense. Recognize that God is looking at our heart. So we should not live like anger and hatred are acceptable because they're not. Let's keep going in the text. Verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. What's going on here in, in this little part? Worship, that's what's going on. Worship. The Jews would have heard this and understood that they're going to the temple to offer their sacrifice. And, and if they remember that there's a problem, there's a conflict between a brother or sister, they need to just stop right there and first go make that right. Fast forward to today. What's he talking about? <clears throat> church. He's talking about church. And basically he's saying, don't bother coming in here singing songs of worship leaning into the teaching of the word, engaging with the fellowship of community, if there's a problem that you know about between you and someone else, 
I mean, is there a reason you came to second service and not first? Or they came to first and not second? Or you're sitting here? Listen, if, if a person walks in and you... Blood begins to boil a little bit. Your blood pressure goes up. There's a problem. There's a problem. You need to deal with it. Jesus does not want that. He says, leave your gift. Just stop. Make it right. And then you can come worship. Because if you're just nursing that thing, what you're really doing is giving in to your feelings and what you think. You're kind of worshiping yourself. And you can't worship God and anything else. So just stop right there. So here's the second reason to change our approach. Not only does choosing to be offended affect my heart, it also hinders my worship. Choosing to be offended hinders my worship. This affects my relationship with God. It's not cool to say God and I are good if other people and me are not okay. God evidently is not okay with that. And that's what Jesus is saying. And as I mentioned before, again, please don't hear me suggesting that you go find a violator or an attacker. That's a different conversation. I'm talking about relational conflict here. You need to make sure. Romans 12, 18, Paul records for us, if possible, as much as depends on you, live at peace with all people. Do your part. Even if your part's only 30% of the whole thing, do your part. Most of the things that we're usually offended by aren't gigantic things like that. They exist in 144 characters, in emojis, in glances, in, in little texts or emails or, or snide responses. They exist in the lack of a thank you or a lack of a thank you note. They exist in the continual ask again and again and again. They exist right there. That's the world that we typically live in. But we can't worship God and treat people poorly. Remember, offense is an event and offended is a choice. So choose the way of Jesus and choose forgiveness. This is the choice that we have, the choice to forgive. Let's look at the, the final reason in these couple of verses here next. Chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. As we nurse and rehearse these offenses in our heart, they grow. And sometimes we say and do things that have worse consequences. Worse consequences than just living and a lack of peace with someone else. Sometimes you're saying, what, a, a, lack of, a lack of forgiveness could result in me going to jail? Yeah, maybe, but oftentimes you need outside help, and sometimes outside help doesn't ask you if you need it. They just rush in and give it because there is a problem. And this is what happens when we let things go undealt with. And he says, you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. You may not end up going to prison, but you will be in a prison. There's no doubt about that. Here's the third reason to drop the offense with forgiveness. Choosing to be offended builds, wall, builds walls instead of bridges. Builds walls instead of bridges. My friend Jason's still here. Jason, could you come on up and help me just for a second? Let me just show you what this is like. When I choose... 
to withhold forgiveness from someone who offends me, I kind of set up a little receptacle in my life. And, and it really, what the first thing it does is creates distance between me and my friend. All right? Jason offends me, and, and I'm, I'm now offended. I have made that choice. And the problem with that is it creates distance, but not only that, it also invites other types of complications. You see, Jason and I, if we're in relationship with each other, there's going to be some measure of conflict. There's going to be offense. It's just inevitable. So he makes me late. We had planned on leaving on time, and I'm offended now. He made me late. Thanks a lot. The playoffs came around, and the Yankees made it, and the Dodgers didn't. He rubbed it in my face. Um, it's, it's voting time, and he told me who he was voting for. All right? Could be anything. I needed him, and he wasn't there. I texted him. He didn't respond. He said something unkind about one of my kids. My wife doesn't like him. <laughs> and this is what happens. And pretty soon, now, I've built a wall around myself. And, and, and it's complicated even further because he's not the only person I'm in relationship with. There are others and others and others. And they're in my home and they're in my workplace and they're in my school. They're all around me. And if I choose to be offended and I do not drop the offense with forgiveness, I build a prison right around myself. And the only way out of this thing is to drop the offense with forgiveness. And once I do, I now have a bridge that I can use to come back over and to be restored in my relationship with my friend. This is how it goes. And some of us, thank you so much. Give it up for Jason. Some of us are miserable, and we are waiting on the other person to apologize, and they're not going to. We're waiting for them to admit they were wrong, and they're not going to. We are waiting for enough time to go by. You know, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Time sometimes makes them feel worse. We remember them as worse than they actually were when they first appeared. You and I have a choice. And we cannot choose what other people do. We can only choose how we respond to it. And if we're going to go after the way of Jesus here, we need to understand this is not just a good idea that he was promoting. This wasn't just wisdom he was sharing. This is something he actually did. And Paul records it for us in the book of Romans in chapter 5. And here's what he says. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You see, 
We didn't just offend God. We violated his commands. Our sin demanded punishment, demanded wrath. It separated us, put up a wall between us and God. And God decided that bridge, uh, that a bridge was going to be formed and that bridge's name was Jesus. And Jesus became the pathway of reconciliation between us and God. And that's what we celebrated in the waters of baptism. And that's why we are to be forgiving people. Because followers of Jesus have been forgiven so much. How hypocritical of us to receive an unbelievable, eternal amount of forgiveness and withhold it from other people. If we're going to be unoffendable people, we have to understand that we have been forgiven. Jesus was the bridge. And what we have been blessed with, we must now give out and spread. So you have a choice of whether you want to build walls or build bridges. And this choice is going to confront you probably today. This evening. You might have a great weekend, but tomorrow's coming. It's going to happen. And if you want to build a bridge, you need to drop the offense with forgiveness. How to do that? Well, let's look at four practical steps I'm going to give you. I'm going to, all four are going to be up there here at the end. But these are from the book of wisdom, Proverbs in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. Here's four practical ways that you can make the way of Jesus your approach. First, refuse to retaliate. Just don't pay back. Just stop it. Secondly, prioritize relationships over being right. Is this relationship worth sacrificing just to prove your point? Maybe ask yourself, do I want to make a point or do I want to make a difference? Thirdly, harsh hurts, so go gentle. Just be gentle. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You might very well need to address someone about something, but go gentle. And lastly, fight to forgive. And it will feel like a fight sometimes. Forgiveness is not a feeling. You don't forgive when you've worked up the feeling of forgiveness. You forgive because we've been commanded to forgive. And that's because that's the way of Jesus. And that's how we experience the type of healing and relationships that we are meant to enjoy. But the choice is yours. I want to encourage you in your home this week, practice these steps at least one time. In your workplace, Practice these at least one time. Just see what God happens. See what God does through it. See what happens. Maybe something amazing will happen in your marriage or in your relationship with your dad or with that old friend. It's not easy, but it is worth it. Would you pray with me and ask for help? God, so many of the things that... um, you call upon us to do are just difficult. And if we just try to grit our teeth and and get them done, uh, we're going to fail. Would you encourage us and remind us that we have been forgiven so much? And I pray that as we interact with people, we would be quick to forgive. We would be slow to speak, slow to become angry. We would look and act and sound a whole lot like Jesus as we interact with people. I pray that you would help us to lay down our own agenda and pursue the one you have for us, trusting that it's better even if it's difficult. Thank you for Jesus who 
was the pathway of forgiveness for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.